Thank you. Um, so let me just go straight to the questions. Um, so the first question is, what motivated the birth of the organization? Well, I think for me, at first, um, I just got back to Nigeria, and then we, I was working at the IDP camp in Borno State. And so it was like, you could clearly see how girls were out of school. One, two, you could see poverty, and then youth, it makes you think of ways to help people and what you could do to give back, you know, especially having the opportunity to school abroad, school in Nigeria, and then also being female, and then knowing that there's so much the world has to offer and these girls don't know because they're not given the opportunity. So I think that was glaring in my face at that time. And then Uloma was, we had a mutual friend with Uloma and I used to always post crazy things on the group about different things, you know. And Uloma reached out and they're like, oh, let's have a conversation. And I was like, okay, fine. We then had a conversation on what we could do to give back in Nigeria. And then through some brainstorming, teasing out what we liked and what we were all about and what we shared in common, um, Give Girl a Chance came out. Lama, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I think it's it's what Howard was saying. I think we just happened to meet at the right time, um, you know, sort of brought together by faith and the fact that we had a common interest in wanting to do something to give back um, to Nigeria. At the time when um, we connected, I was living in the Netherlands. Um, but I was also coming back home to Nigeria um, quite often and feeling like at that point I wanted to do something, but I didn't have any knowledge of what were reputable nonprofits to donate to and that were working on addressing issues that I felt were important to me um, in Nigeria, which at that time were around education and around healthcare and around advocacy. So when Hawa and I met and, and connected um, through a mutual friend, um, like Hawa said, she would post a lot of content and I just felt that she was someone that um, I would be really aligned with. And so I just reached out to her and we had that initial conversation. And like she mentioned, you know, I, I think from day one, we were always on the same page and we wanted, we were excited to work together with each other and we really built the idea together so that when we landed on girl child education and give girls a chance specifically it was then an idea that we had both co-created oh. thank you um how challenging has it been running an ngo in nigeria 
Um, so for me, that's that's kind of a difficult question, seeing as the whole time that Give Girls a Chance has been in existence, I've been away, meaning that I've been helping or co-managing with Howard remotely. So I think I get spared a lot from some of the day-to-day on-the-ground work, and a lot of my work has turned into um, helping to lay the foundation with the strategy and how and I talking things through to make sure that we are aligned um, on the vision and how we want to implement that. But I'd actually um, turn that question over to Hawa because she has been there on the ground from day one. And I think she can tell all of us better, you know, what it really takes to manage an NGO on the ground while also doing other things okay, at well, the same before time. she answers, how do you think it's, it feels from the response you get, the questions they ask maybe from how easy it is when they send you documents or like when they're like, okay, we have this event, I'll try and get it ready by this time, then the time it takes before they reach you due to getting some documents signed or getting permission for that activity to be held. Um, it's been quite challenging in the sense that both Hawa and I have full-time jobs that are also very demanding. Um, I work for the United Nations and my job for the most part pre-pandemic involved a lot of travel and so I was always you know in different time zones and sometimes out in the field. So managing Give Girls a Chance has really for me it's been an exercise in time management but also relationship building and people management. And so when we started, as Hawa can attest to, it was literally just the two of us pretty much doing everything. And so we felt that we had our strengths and things that we were good at, but then we also had a lot that we didn't necessarily know anything about, including not just um, meeting with the schools, establishing the relationships with the families and with the girls, but we also had to do things like recruit mentors. We had to do all of the public outreach and social media. We had to write articles um, on our own and we had to do a lot of the fundraising on our own. So it's it has been very time consuming. Um, it has forced me at least to figure out how to manage my time and how to plan better, how to set goals more effectively. But also, I think the great part is that it has taught me better how to work in a team, um, knowing that um, if I'm working together with someone else, then I have to figure out what my strengths are, but I also have to figure out um, how I can work better with someone else um, to achieve a common goal. So I think in summary, it, it has been really challenging. It has been really time consuming but it has also been quite rewarding because I feel that I've grown as a team player. And along the way, I've also learned a lot about what it does take to run a nonprofit um, in the context of Nigeria, which is exciting, but also challenging in its own way. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's been challenging too, as Uloma has mentioned, because of work, I'm a medical doctor, so that's even a different ball game of work, time management, but to say the truth, it's also been very fulfilling because once we started, I think Uloma and I connected really well in that we each knew ourselves very well, we were self-aware, 
one. Then two, we each knew our strengths and weaknesses. So it was like, I'm good at this, I'm good at this, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at this. And then we sort of shared that part of work that way. For the groundwork, being here, of course, I had to do the runarounds and things like that, but we had some dedicated volunteers which have been with us through time and they have helped us do some things I'm unable to do when I'm at work. The other thing also was um, also having virtual volunteers, so people outside the country that could help with social media and they're really good at it and they really helped us in that aspect because social media for me is like a no-no. I'm really bad at it. So that was that was a tough thing to actually grab and then be more open. I'm like sort of, I like being secretive and keeping things, but running an NGO, you can't do that. Even people have to know what you're doing. People have to know so that they can actually donate and be um, guarantors for anything. Getting mentors on board, you know, you have to be able to explain what Give Girls a Chance is about, why you're doing it, and then find passionate people that are willing to also dedicate their time for that cause. So all that has been challenging, but I have to say I've grown a lot. I, I wouldn't take it back for anything. And I always tell Ulama, if we didn't start when we started, I don't think we would have started because, boy, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, but it's not impossible. Thank you. I agree. It, it, it's tough, but it's not impossible. That's a good way so to put it. So to anyone who's listening, it's tough, but it's not impossible. Okay. Um, so how was your job, the one you were doing, like you started out before you started the NGO, how has that helped, helped in assisting the organization? Well, I think for me, it's, um, you know, empathy, being able to see people and figure out how you can help and being objective about it too so you know you see you will walk into schools and you're like okay we're here we need to provide scholarships and be mentors for certain girls you can't take everybody even if you want to your funds are limited so that's where you have to be like okay who are girls doing well and who are girls that are not doing well and still can't afford and then you have to close your eyes and pick those that you actually see potential in them so I think my job actually makes me know that you can save this life, this is how you do this, A, B, C, D. And so it helps me be more pra pragmatic and also objective when you know we go through the list of the girls and girls we take um, during screening processes. I think that time management also, the Bulama mentioned that. Um, teamwork, working as a team, um, having a team with people all over the world, different time zones, and also sacrifice, you know, knowing that sometimes you do things not all about you, but you're trying to make the world a better place. So I think those are things on my end, I would say. Um, I would say that my job taught me from the beginning that we needed to bring a certain level of professionalism to this if we were going to do it that meant that we had to do it right as Hala said so i think that 
a lot of you know, in Nigeria with a lot of the diaspora and just in general we are a giving culture whether it's collecting you know collections um, at church every Sunday to help certain groups of people or whether it's families pulling pooling money together to send someone to school or to help someone start a business. I think that um, in Nigeria and in African cultures in general, we come from very giving um, cultures, but it's been done a lot informally. And so what Hawa and I wanted to do was figure out how to formalize that. So as, as Hawa can also attest to, in the beginning, a lot of the initial donors were all our family and friends. And so these are people who may on their own already have been giving to send someone to school. But what we were asking them to do was to give to a formal give to an organization formally and trust us with that process of selecting the girls as Hawa said but also finding the right mentors for them and linking them to the right types of services that we felt that they needed as girls and figuring out if we do this over time and if we do it right how can we prove that our method is one that works and if it does work how do we sell that or how do we package that um, and showcase it to the rest of the world, whether it's you know saying that we believe that if you want to advance girl child education, this is the way that you have to do it is through a blend of scholarship and mentoring, but also pairing that with other um, services such as menstrual hygiene or literacy or STEM. And so I would say that for me, that's one of the biggest things that my current job has taught me is how to go about this whole thing in a professional way and even when it came to things like um, writing proposals because I had at work not even that I had written proposals but because I had seen how proposals were written to donors I felt that I was able to bring some of that knowledge and apply to give girls a chance so yeah, I, I think alongside what Howa mentioned, um, being able to display a certain level of empathy, um, being able to figure out how, how we set up the right systems and things in place, I think that we've also been able to bring a certain level of professionalism to giving, and, and that's really what we want to show, that there is a way to do this and there's a way to do it correctly um, in a way that it will work and will benefit the most number of girls. So, what's the, your favorite part of running the organization? Oh, okay. I guess for me, it would be the other end, the other side of what we do. So, having putting the smile on the girl's face, seeing that you've made a difference, um, seeing them pass their grades because have mentors throughout the year that have impacted them. Seeing them understand that apart from knowing the literacy and the math, they have social skills, they're able to know what it is to be a girl in a society, understanding menstrual hygiene for themselves. You know, that part actually is Well, Hawa stole the good answer, so <laughs> um, I'm going to go with um, every day, every time that we have a new person volunteer or reach out to us to tell us 
and you know we have volunteers now that span not just Nigeria but other countries as well and so every time someone reaches out it means that we have done a good job in showcasing the work that we do in a way that it connects to someone else so that they look at the work that we're doing they feel that this is something that aligns with their mission and they feel that they can help out and they can add value in some way so we've had people volunteer um, to be mentors we've had people volunteer to help us with our social media um, we've had people um, volunteer to help us with events we've had people volunteer to write articles for us so every time that we have someone a new person reach out to us to volunteer and we've had literally hundreds of them over the last five years for me that is encouraging and that's rewarding and it means that we are doing something that people connect to and want to be a part of that's really okay um what are you most afraid of regarding the future of the organization? Well, the fear, fear, fear. I think for every organization, definitely funding will be one of the big things. So you have a good program running, you have a structure, you're changing lives, you're doing something good and you can see the impact. But however, you're limited because it's the amount of funds you have that can take you so far. So I think that would be like my number one fear about what we do and our future and where to go with that. So I think that would be like my number one. The other one would be, apart, you know, we have a vision and we're on track with that. However, when you want to recruit mentors for the girls, you find that people in the Nigerian culture, people understand giving they don't understand giving time. So giving time where, you know, you can't, you know, nobody can pay you for that. And I know it's not easy. So you find that we have, sometimes we have mentors that volunteer and they're really excited about what we're doing and hoping to meet the girls and go for the school visits and be there the whole time. And then they start and then they drop off one after the other. So I think that's another thing that actually weighs me down when it comes to everyday running of the organization because the mentors are a huge structure of what we do and if that's not strong then that we can lose the impact that we're having on the girls so those two would be my big things um i i agree wholeheartedly with with what howa said and wanted to add to that. Um, I think sometimes for me, a fear is also that we as the co-founders get too busy and too wrapped up in other things where this falls to the wayside. So initially, while it may have started as a passion project, um, we really do have a big ambition to see the organization grow, but that means that as it continues to grow, it does demand more of our time. And the truth is, like everyone else, except for Victoria, who is you know, the paid staff, the rest of us are volunteers, including the co-founders. And so the truth is that the amount of time I volunteered in year one and the amount of time I'm volunteering in year five is, you know, is actually calling for a lot more of my time 
but the truth is I also have other interests, I also have a job, and there are other things that I want to do. So sometimes my fear is that you know, life will get too busy and start to push me or push us in a direction where we don't always have the amount of time to devote to this project or to this institution the time that it needs to be able to get to where we want it or where we envision it, it, it going. Um, and, and so that is something that does sometimes keep me awake is, you know, how can I continue to balance everything so that Give Girls a Chance continues to remain a priority and that I can devote the time um, with, you know, alongside Hawa to continue to, to grow it until it gets to that point where it doesn't need us as much anymore. And, and while we, we're hoping to get there, the truth is we're probably not there yet where we could both just step away and have the organization continue to function. Like all fears, thank God, it's still an impending. It hasn't happened yet. We're just thinking of the future. Yes. <laughs> it's always good to plan. So now, yeah. I'm, as an intern who has gone around to the schools and seen most of the girls, I'll say, so Thank do you, you believe the organization has grown into something more than what you envisioned in the past five years? From from where I sit, definitely. Um, I remember this story, you know, when we first started and we, we looked at the bank account and how I had the foresight, you know, of saying that we should only take on a certain number of girls that we knew that we had enough money in the bank to cover not just for one year but for an additional year. So when we approached the first school, we were only able to, I think, sponsor something, was it like 10 or 11, Hawa? And I remember one of the first schools, you know, basically saying that this was such a small number, almost like it wasn't worth their time for us to come into the school just to sponsor 10 girls. So when I look at where we started with, you know, one school and a couple, 10 girls to where we are today with... I think now we're at four schools and you know over 50 girls at this point um, I think that that's definitely progress again when I look at the number of volunteers that we started with and where we are today I think that's definitely progress so I feel that we have made a lot of strides and steps in the right direction and what we're also trying to do is continue to lay a solid foundation where we feel that if we have all of the pieces in place, then certain things should be able to, to be less of an effort and someone else can come in and say, okay, this is the model, this is what needs to be done, and these are the goals that we're trying to achieve and run with it. So I am very you know, impressed by the work that we have done so far, not just the two of us, but with everyone who has contributed to being part of the Give Girls a Chance family over the last five years. Yeah, I agree. I think um, we've gone really far and the people we've met along the way also have been people we've met along the way and everyone we've worked with. I think it's been amazing. I agree. Okay. Um, what is the most important part of the organization to you? What part is it? The mission statement, the mission statement, the 
values? What's most important? Like, what do you think of? What first comes to your mind when you think of the organization? Hmm. I think they're all interwoven for me. So every time I think of the organization, I think of, of course the girl child. I think of her getting an education, a quality one, being well in the society and doing well, and also having and knowing her rights and functioning in the society. So I think those three things are the main things for me. Um, I, I would agree with Hawa and you know even bring up the story of Amina, who was the first girl that we sponsored, and to look at where Amina was when we first met her, when Hawa first interacted with her in the IDP camp, and to where she is now, you know, about to graduate from secondary school and with dreams to go on to university and become a medical doctor. I think that that was the goal that we had in mind. We feel that education, especially for the girl child, can be a vehicle to a better life. And so we feel that if we can make that dream possible for even one girl and do that consistently, then we have succeeded. And so the fact that we already have girls who have been with the program for three years and some girls who are finishing primary school and definitely going on to secondary school or finishing secondary school and feeling like they definitely want to go into university. For me, that's a big win that we've been able to keep the focus on the girl child and see how we can empower her through education. Yeah. Okay, how has COVID-19 inconvenienced the activities of the organization? Was it something that could be really, I think you know, could be looked at and like, okay, we can move forward with this. We, after this pandemic, it's something we can push for. So did it stop some activities? Well, I mean, I think COVID inconvenienced everyone. So it wasn't, you know, we didn't feel like it was happening just to us and schools were closed all across the country. I think it was maybe more challenging for us in the sense that the, the schools and the girls that we're working with are already in quite difficult to reach areas and difficult to reach communities. So COVID definitely made it harder to stay in touch and, and feel that we were able to be in contact with the girls and bring them the services that we normally would. But I think that it also gave room for some innovation or it made innovation more necessary. So for instance, um, Victoria can you know also speak about the fact that with our mentorship program, how we've tried to take that virtual. So when we first started and everything was in person, all of the, the meetings between the mentors and the girls were all designed to be in person. But even before COVID, we had been thinking about doing some things virtual, but maybe we had been moving a bit more slowly. But then once COVID hit, um, I think it became more necessary to move faster on some plans that had already been in place. And so now that we have a, vent a virtual mentorship program that is up and running to some extent, part of me wonders if we would have been motivated to do that as quickly as we did or if we would have seen the need for it if COVID hadn't had happened when it did. So 
it was definitely an inconvenience in, in that sense like yes we we lost that touch with the girls for a while but I think like I said it gave us room to think about how we want to do things differently and also how we want to build in a more sustainable model which probably involves something to do with technology something to do with virtual um, as opposed to everything being in person all the time yeah definitely I think it made us actually just like take the leap and then start the virtual mentorship I think also this podcast right now you know it's been on the list and it's been something mm -hmm. we wanted to do to reach out to more girls at the same time so definitely COVID did a restart on a few things one thing I'm actually thankful for COVID for it showed a lot of blank areas that some places were lacking even us as a country we were lacking so it helps it's helping us to move forward so thank god for COVID, <laughs> thank god for COVID. um okay um mm -hmm. considering the organization looks at the growth and the future of girl, the girl child how do you hope this organization and the activities the organization runs the events the essays the menstrual hygiene campaigns the back to school campaigns how do you hope they influence the lives of not only the girls maybe even the teachers like that observe the activities when you come to the school to ask for permission from the girls the parents of the girls the people the girls talk to that ah the organization this organization took me out somewhere how do you hope it influences the lives of such people um, I think first of all so when Uloma and I were thinking about the strategy and how to go about giving it a chance apart from doing it professionally we also were thinking about if the girls were not sponsoring and the schools you're in what do they get what is the benefit of you being there what does your presence bring you know to certain people there so that's where those campaigns coming so you have the menstrual campaign you're there so every girl in the school benefits from that it's not just the girl you're providing scholarships for or mentoring so I think that has opened the eyes of the other girls we're able to also teach them socially they're able to understand and sometimes relate to us whenever they see us come and walk into the school even if they're not part of our girls the other thing is for teachers and like the school leaders, the head teachers and things, I think for them, they're able to see an honest organization running their program. They're able to tell us what they need and if we're able to help with that, even if we can't provide it ourselves, we try to link them up with other organizations that are able to do that. So I think that's a big thing because you find that long after they've gone they can still call you and say that oh we have this thing going on and i thought of your organization so i think that's that's a huge kudos to us um, another thing would be for me i, I remember one day Loma and i were talking and we're like what is the big dream of give girls a chance you know i like oprah a lot and it's like we're gonna open our own leadership academy that's huge and girls from all over nigeria can come so I think that big dream is more alive when you see that in every school you go to, you're making an impact. So I think that that would be it for me. Hello. Do you have anything to add? 
to be honest, I, I think that in, in that sense, Hawa has, has really covered it. It's, it's really that if you do something and you do it well and it makes an impact on, on one person, then they're likely to tell someone else or someone else is likely to see what you're doing and try to replicate it. So in that sense, like Hawa said, I feel that you know what we're doing is working to some extent because the girls themselves are reporting that it's it's helping it's serving you know the schools are when we go back they've been more willing now we've been in some schools for you know those five years and the schools continue to be receptive to the work that we're doing um, so I think all of that does show that it is making some sort of positive impact and that we are building a name for ourselves and and people are getting to recognize the Give Girls a Chance brand and what we're doing. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing out time to come and talk with me and for others to listen. Thank you so much, Dr. Awa. Thank you so much, Loma. It was really nice having you. So um, before I end this, or we end this, um, is there anything you'd like to add? So anything you want to say in addition to, or even out of context to what has been asked or said? Sure, I, I think that in the context of improving the lives of the Nigerian girl child, there's so much that needs to be done, there's so much that should be done, um, and I think that no one person, be it the government, be it the families, schools, churches, healthcare institutions, can address all of it at once. But I think that the good thing is that there is room for everyone to participate if they're truly interested in building the future of the girl child and building the future of the country. And so I think it's some, something that Hawa alluded to. We feel that one of the best ways to go about this is by partnerships. So each person playing to their strengths and saying, I feel that I have something to contribute to the girl child in terms of education, but before a child can go to school, they need to be well fed. After the child leaves school, they need to have a home to go back to. They need to have electricity to do their homework. Um, so there's all of these things that need to work in tandem for us to actually say that at the end, we have done our best in empowering the girl child. So also wanted to just use this as a platform to encourage everyone else who is working to improve the life of the girl child, but also use this as an opportunity to say, that let us learn to collaborate with each other better so that we can amplify the results and successes of our work. Wow. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. It was very nice having you. I think for me, I would um, speak to the girl, child, listening. Um, I always like the saying that success, girls with dreams become women with vision. So keep dreaming and you would walk your dreams. So that was, or those were, the two co-founders of Give Girls a Chance organization, um, Dr. Hawa Balami and Loma Opa. Thank you so much. You were listening to Dear Girl Child. We're just talking about you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello everyone, 
Thank you so much for listening. We hope to talk to you again soon. You can also visit us on our website, www.givegirlsachance.ng.org. Our email at info at givegirlsachance.ng.org. Our Facebook at givegirlsachance. Our Instagram at ggac underscore ng. Our Twitter at ggac underscore ng. And on LinkedIn at Give Girls a Chance. You can also sign up for our newsletters, read our posts, click the like, and stay tuned. Thank you. This has been Ruth Kitola Sisi, and thank you for listening to Dear Girl Child. <laughs>